This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have reports from Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor as well. Many parts of the northern plains and upper Midwest are starting the day with dense fog. The National Weather Service is also out with a wind advisory for this afternoon and evening in portions of north central, northwest, south central, and southwest North Dakota. There are scattered rains at this hour in northeastern North Dakota and northwest Minnesota. That includes Cavalier, Greenbush, and Badger. Light rain also seen in that rugby area, scattered showers east of Grand Forks, another area north of Bismarck near Washburn. Uh, there's more significant rains being seen really from Nebraska through southeastern North Dakota and southern Minnesota, and also some snow showing up north of Minot towards Botano uh, across the border into Canada as well. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco upheld a permanent injunction finding it unconstitutional to force Bayer and other ag companies to include a warning label for glyphosate. California's warning label would link the use of glyphosate to cancer, which plaintiffs called false and misleading. The National Association of Wheat Growers was the lead plaintiff. Thirteen other organizations, including the North Dakota Grain Growers Association, South Dakota Agribusiness Association, National Corn Growers Association, and the U.S. Durham Growers Association participated in that lawsuit. Bayer's new chief executive officer, Bill Anderson, is considering structural changes to the company that could include separating the agriculture business from Bayer's pharmaceutical and consumer health business. Anderson also plans to streamline operations by eliminating several layers of management. Bayer suffered a third-quarter loss of $4.9 billion in U.S. dollars. That compares to $583 million in profits one year ago. In the crop science division, sales of corn seed and traits rose 21%. Fungicide sales were up 16%. And the soybean seed and traits business increased nearly 16%. Herbicide sales declined, though, more than 17%, which was impacted by lower prices for glyphosate products after an exceptionally strong prior year. USDA releases its November supply and demand report tomorrow. Lowen and Associates President Pete Lowen says the trade expectation is for a slightly bearish report. Looking for slightly, I, I think like 0.2 or 0.3 bushels per acre bigger in corn yield than what we got last month. The average guesses on bean yield, one survey I saw yesterday, were for unchanged. Ending stocks number uh, numbers in all three commodities between wheat, corn, and soybeans not expected to change very much. And world ending stocks not expecting much of a move, move either. So very bland expectations, but you know what can happen if we get a big outlier and a surprise to anything is there's certainly market moving potential. But, I, you know, looking at expectations from the surveys, nobody's looking for that wild card. And Lowen says those November and December reports from USDA usually don't get a lot of respect from traders. Well, yeah, you know, this November report's the last time we get objective yield data until the January final when the December report comes out. We can see changes to S&Ds, but they don't make any uh there's no survey data for corn and soybean yield, so a, a real sleeper in December. Uh, but this one's expected to be pretty quiet, too. And, of course, that's all leading up to the January final. China was back big in the market yesterday, making the largest single-day purchase of U.S. soybeans in at least three months. China bought 600,000 metric tons, or 10 cargoes of soybeans, 
for shipment out of the PNW and the Gulf. That sale welcome news after a recent downturn in the U.S. export business to China. North Dakota State Board of Research and Education uh, Chair Sarah Loveth is inviting North Dakotans to provide input on research needs in the state. Meeting will be held tomorrow at the Dickinson Research Extension Center where public input on upcoming research projects is welcomed. We're going to be having our next ESPER meeting on Thursday this week in Dickinson at the Research Extension Center there. Um, the director, Dr. Chris Augustine, has graciously um, allowed us to uh, to host us there, and we will be taking input. So if anybody wants to show up and tell us what they think is important to um, to the that the North Dakota needs for the egg, egg experiment station in extension, we would we would love to to hear from you. Um, we care very deeply about what what everyone thinks uh, for those two entities. Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com. Sign up for a weekly FarmNet News e-newsletter. You can also download this broadcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, all at rrfn.com. This is the Red River Farm Network. Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. A House Agriculture Committee Task Force is recommending changes to the H-2A visa program. Their interim report cites a rule implemented by the Labor Department in January that increased the minimum wage rates for these foreign workers. Nearly 80% of the employers surveyed said administrative delays prevented H-2A workers from starting as well on a timely basis. Litigation is ongoing to change the adverse effect wage rate increase for ag workers in that H-2A program. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. The National Coalition of Agricultural Employers CEO Michael Marsh is working to turn back the Department of Labor's ruling that would cost employers thousands of dollars. This rule requires an employee to be paid the base wage for the highest paying task they perform for the duration of their contract. The purpose of this rule is to encourage hiring local and domestic labor before using the H-2A program. It's hard to understand how you're having an adverse effect on a domestic worker when they won't even apply for the job. And these jobs, as I mentioned, pay good, pay very well. In North Dakota, $17.33 an hour. That's pretty doggone good for a rural part of the state, particularly. And one of the other challenges is, uh, I know my county back home in Wyoming, our unemployment rate's about 1.2%. Everybody's employed. You know, we have very few people that, that are unemployed. So, uh, you know, I, how, how in the world are you having an, an adverse effect on anybody? While the petition will take time to work its way through the courts, Marsh says Congress could take action. Two petitions I filed with the Department of Labor essentially said that if, you, if there is no adverse effect, you have no need for an adverse effect wage rate. And that's where Congress could come in. Now, the Democrats uh, and, and the Congress are going to have some heartburn over that. But essentially what you're doing is you're, you're putting in an artificial wage rate that has nothing to do with what's really being paid on the farm, but you're forcing farmers and ranchers to part with probably what's going to be a part of the legacy of keeping that family farm or ranch in, in the family uh, going forward because are they going to be able to afford and, and stay in business and uh, the labor that's necessary to, to go ahead and keep that uh, family uh, operation in business. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Pioneer field agronomist Larry Lunder thinks it's going to be a few weeks until his harvest is wrapped up. I'm thinking next month at this rate. So um, it depends on the weather. If we get some drier weather, 
uh, you know, and the conditions improve and they can move, uh, they can get it off, then there's a matter of where to store it. I see a lot of bags in the countryside at the moment. Uh, the elevators are getting somewhat filled up, uh, people running out of bin space. So it's, I think it's probably going to take a little, a little longer, maybe not so much to per se do the work, but just to store it somewhere. So there's some, there's some challenges ahead in getting that, getting the corn crop off. The harvest has been going slow this year with all the late season moisture slowing things down. You know, I hate to, I hate to complain about rain in Western North Dakota, but I got to be honest with you, it's there at the moment. So it's been a little, it's been a little too much. Uh, glad we'll maybe be very glad next year, but right now it's kind of frustrating. USDA releases its latest supply-demand report forecast tomorrow. Ag Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jakanowski said this report goes beyond U.S. production. We're looking at the you know production and markets around the world. So we're um, truing up our production forecasts for all of our other global suppliers. And then this NAS information that we get the morning of lockup, that is basically the last piece in the puzzle. And the Ag Department will release that report at 11 o'clock tomorrow. Butter days are ahead for the dairy industry. A new report from CoBank's Knowledge Exchange said there is tremendous upside potential for domestic butter demand. That's on top of significant growth in domestic butterfat production over the last 10 years. While milk consumption is down, CoBank is seeing a bright future for premium butter and butter spreads. That report said more consumers are favoring full-fat dairy foods over reduced-fat options. Again, a reminder, you can uh, get all of your news and weather updates anytime by listening to the Red River Farm Network podcasts, all available at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Fall so, uh, foil, uh, soil testing pretty much wrapped up for the season. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. For a few months this summer, the region experienced drought-like conditions. Ag Vice Laboratory soil scientist John Brecker has been busy soil testing and has found excess nitrates in some crops like corn and wheat as a result. Brecker says over a third of fields he's tested has had over 60 pounds of excess nitrogen. Um, wheat fields, for example, over 50% of them have over 40 pounds of nitrogen. So that does indicate that we are leaving more amounts of residual nitrate left over after these nitrogen-fertilized crops. Uh, sugar beets, actually, interestingly enough, I know probably heard they had some phenomenal sugar beet yields this year, um, and a lot of that was a lot of the last few tons were put on in the kind of last month or so before harvest. And uh, those sugar beets used up about every pound of nitrogen that they possibly could to um, make those really impressive um, sugar beet yields and deliver some pretty good sugar contents. Brecker says fall fertilizer application has been relatively light this year with harvest stretching out. So luckily, we've had a really good fall for getting soil samples collected and tested. So that means producers have in their hands lots of good information, up-to-date information, most of all, for making fertilizer decisions and purchases this winter for spring application. And so a lot of that information they have in hand will be utilized next spring. We still got a little bit of activity going on with some fall fertilizer applications, but as 
as the days get a little bit colder and it's a little bit more snow in the forecast, yeah, we, we'll see how much more fall fertilizer happens before freeze-up officially hits. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota DNR is working with the Department of Health, the Department of Agriculture, and the Board of Animal Health to review the threat of feral pigs near the U.S.-Canadian border. The public will be able to provide input and in an online meeting November 14th. The state's review will be shared with the Minnesota legislature next year. Checking markets, we have Minneapolis wheat five and a quarter higher for the D's contract, 720 and a half the quote. Chicago wheat, December down seven, or rather gaining seven and a quarter cents. And KC wheat, seven and three quarter higher. Deese corn, four and a half better, 473. March again of four and a quarter. Soybeans, double digit gains, 18 and a quarter cents higher for January at 1380 and a half. And the March contract up by 16 and a quarter cents. Checking in on the farm calendar, the NDSU Harvest Bowl, their 49th annual. Uh, activities begin with their Harvest Bowl Awards Dinner coming up on Friday night. The social starts at 5 o'clock, the awards dinner at 6, that in Fargo, of course. And, of course, the football game, uh, the Bison versus Southern Illinois at the Fargo Dome on Saturday. And also on the farm calendar, Minnesota Farm Bureau with its annual meeting coming up November 16th through the 18th. That'll be held at the Doubletree in Bloomington, Minnesota. That same weekend, the 17th through the 19th, Minnesota Farmers Union with its annual convention. They'll be held at the Delta Hotels by Marriott in Northeast Minneapolis. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.